You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Hey, 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 happy campers. Look who's up to his old tricks. That's right. Yogi Bear. It's open season for fun in Jellystone Park. So forget your cares. Travel in pairs. And whatever you do... Official food inspection. Don't feed the bears. Too many calories. Because Yogi Bear's got an appetite for adventure. When his beloved Cindy is bear napped by the grizzling Chisling Brothers. Boy, how low can we get? And their <laughs> playful pet, Mugger. <laughs> So hold on for musical bears and foreign affairs. Oh, Yogi, you're so wonderful. Hold that thought. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener. On all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and once again, I have failed to become an animal expert. Today, we are talking about bears, but more specifically, the brown bear. But first, the news. This is Varmin's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. This week I have a news story that annoyed me and an email that delighted me. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with the news story. Okay. So two big dum-dums have been charged after British Columbia's Conservation Officer Service says they posted photos of themselves on social media, hand-feeding Timbits and hot dogs to brown bears. Conservation officer Sam Harris says it's alleged that these two chuckleheads were feeding bears from their vehicle as they drove along the Alaska Highway. He says the charge under the Wildlife Act says that a person must not intentionally feed or attempt to feed dangerous wildlife. A photo tweeted by the service shows what Harris says is a young grizzly being hand-fed a Timbit. Harris says someone tipped the service to the photos posted on social media because, of course, they were posted on social media, which led to the charge. He said, our biggest concern with people feeding bears is that once a bear becomes habituated to people and he starts associating people with food, then they become a danger to the public. So don't feed wild animals, please. Yeah, you know what happens to bears that get hand-fed stuff and decide that they are going to go into human settlements and get food from humans? They get shot. Yeah. Maybe they get lucky and they get captured and go to a sanctuary, like we're going to talk about a little bit later, but more often than not, they get shot. Yep. It's really horrible. Start thinking of somebody other than yourself, people. All right. Do you want to hear this email? Yes. Pick me up, because that was a downer. I will keep this person anonymous, but they were just listened to our episode about scorpions. Mm -hmm. So they had this to say. They sent us this email at varmintspodcast at gmail.com. So if you have experiences, we want to hear about them, and we'll read them. Okay. So he says... Just a quick experience. Scorpions are fairly common here in the Georgia mountains. They're small, not particularly dangerous, and generally either run away or play dead. So my experience is that I had been working in the yard, but job unfinished, I quit for the day. 
Since tomorrow was to be another yard work day, I just dropped my overalls on the floor ready for the morning. Uh-oh. Yup. In the morning, I proceeded to get dressed when my right cheek, and he adds the lower one, of course, felt like it was on fire. Oh, no. Dropped my overalls real quick. A scorpion crawled out. He or she was rewarded with the sole of a shoe. Oh, poor scorpion. (laughs) (laughs) He concludes by saying, I just want to say it gave a whole new meaning to a pain in the butt. (laughs) Yes, for sure. I don't feel like you could probably stop yourself from squishing the scorpion, but, you know. I mean, they put the scorpion next to their butt, whether they meant to or not. The scorpion's like, what are you doing? Sting, 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 sting. Yeah. Can't blame the scorpion. So, yeah, if you live in the Georgia mountains and you are done wearing your overalls for the day and you want to wear them the next day, just give them a good shake first. Don't put scorpions next to your butt. That's good advice. <laughs> That's very good advice. <laughs> uh, well, just a reminder, everybody, go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and at Instagram, at at Varmint's Podcast, all one word. And as Paul said, we're at varmintspodcast.gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, suggestions. I also run a Pinterest board, which I am still very, very behind on, <laughs> which I intend to catch up on as soon as life slows down a little bit. Uh, but we're linked to that's the bottom of our show notes. If you want some Varmints merchandise, go over to tpublic.com, put Varmints in the search engine, and you'll find all sorts of wonderful merchandise. And finally, if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. And thank you real quick to our Patreon supporters. We just got a new scout today, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Hey, thank you. And Clay Groves is our jackalope, and we will do what we do for everyone who donates at the jackalope level, and that is promote your thing. So you'll be hearing the promo for his show today. If you would like to support us in that way, go to patreon.com slash varmints. We love all of our Patreon supporters to pieces, and so there are rewards at every level of support, whether you are a tourist, scout, guide, or jackalope. Patreon.com slash varmints. Let's learn about brown bears. Do it! Hey! Hey! Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. (laughs) We are getting educated about some brown bears today. The brown bear is a bear that is found across northern Eurasia and North America. Genetic analysis indicated that the brown bear lineage diverged from the cave bear species a little bit over one million years ago. The oldest fossils positively identified as from brown bears occur in China from about a half a million years ago. There are several subspecies of brown bear, about a dozen or so. The most common ones you might have heard of are the Eurasian brown bear, the Kodiak bear, and of course the grizzly bear. So all grizzly bears are brown bears, but not all brown bears are grizzly bears. Yes. Brown bears' size and weight varies depending on the subspecies. As with black bears, male bears are called boars, female bears are called sows, and baby bears are called cubs. The brown bear is sometimes referred to as the Bruin from Middle English. This name originated in the fable History of Reynard the Fox, which was translated by William Caxton from Middle Dutch 
And that word in Middle Dutch was brun or broin, meaning the color brown. Oh, well, that makes sense. We might have mentioned that in the Black Bears episode. That was episode 73. So if you missed that one, that was a really, really fun one. So go check that out when you're done listening to this one. We would really appreciate it. Yes. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things for brown bear adaptations, but I think I'm just going to run a few just basic facts about them past your face. You ready? Do it. My face is ready. Okay. So grizzly bears are among the largest land carnivores in the world, and polar bears are bigger, but they're considered to be a marine animal, not a land animal, so... Wow. That's sort of a picking picking at stuff, but there you go. That's what they do. <laughs> you were talking about how not all of them are grizzly bears and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of an arbitrary designation. They're the same animal genetically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But generally, if they're coastal animals, they're not called grizzlies. And if they're inland animals, they are called grizzlies in the North America anyway. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Just sometimes these designations are a little bit arbitrary. So Got it. Yep. So in general, males are about 38% larger than females in brown bears of all subspecies. And typically they will reach a weight of, and here's this interesting variety for you, 300 to 800 pounds, depending on where they live. Wow. <laughs> That's a large variation. That's, yeah, it is. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Right? So. Yeah, that's just depends where they live huh? and what what food they have access to. Yep, pretty much. Yep. Um, one place that I was reading said that their bears typically were some of the smaller in the world. And uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. What are you going to do, right? They get, so. they get big, though, some of them. So as far as metrics are concerned, that's like 130 kilograms to... About 360 kilograms, somewhere in there. All right. And the ladies are 200 to 400 pounds. So, you know, roughly, like they said, males are about 38% larger. So, yeah. Uh, the heaviest recorded grizzly was 1,400 pounds. And Goodness gracious. Yes. Okay, so grizzlies can grow to an average size of six to seven feet when they are standing up. So that is like a little, that's about two meters to a little over two meters. And then they are about three to four feet at the top of their shoulders when they're on all fours, which is a little bit less than a meter to a meter. The large hump that's found on their shoulders is mostly muscle, muscle and fat. And what this does is provide them with exceptional digging power, which is useful when they're carving out dens. Mm-hmm. So brown bears are avid swimmers and very fast runners. They can reach speeds of up to 56 kilometers per hour. That's 35 miles per hour in a sprint. That is terrifying. It is extremely terrifying. <laughs> also, they can climb trees. If they are very large bears, they won't be able to get very far. But for most of them, it's not a hindrance. So, Oh, my. Yes. Their fur can be anywhere from cream color to nearly black. The cubs usually have a lighter coat. The tip of their fur is usually white or silver, and that gives them the grizzled look, and that led to their name, the grizzly bear, where, where they are called grizzly bears. Their pelt is very insulating and protects them from insects and the environment. 
and their color helps them blend in with the environment to avoid enemies and remain unknown to their prey. So this is amazing. They have 42 teeth. They have several longer sharp teeth and the front of their mouth for tearing meat. They are omnivores. They have large flat molders in the back for grinding stuff up. Their heads are very large in relation to their body size. Their skull length ranges from 30 centimeters, which is like, uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. That's about 11 inches to 40 centimeters. So, you know, just over a foot long, their heads wow. are they're crazy long. Yeah. Cubs have little round heads and they lengthen and change as they grow up. And they're kind of interesting. You can tell what a brown bear is by looking at their profile. If you look at the profile of a brown bear next to a black bear, you can totally tell because the shape of their heads is completely different and they've got that large hump on the back. The big so hump, yeah. They have large paws with five digits. Their claws are huge. They can grow from 2.5 to 5 inches. That's what? 5 to 12 centimeters. Okay, just look at your hand really quickly. And, I'm looking at it. Yeah. So five inches. Mm-hmm. That's, depending on how how large your hands are, that can be like most of your hand, right? That's most so, of my hand, so yeah. So grizzly bear's claws can be the length of your hand from the tip of your index finger to your wrist. That's how, how large their claws can be. That is huge. Yeah. That's frightening. Yep. <laughs> Their claws are usually black or brown. They can usually be white or yellowish, but they can also be striped, which is sort of fun. Hmm. They live about 25 years in the wild. The oldest grizzly ever found in the wild was an Alaskan bear of 35 years. They have an excellent sense of smell. They have really good hearing. Their eyes are forward and they are very tiny and closely spaced. Their eyesight is generally thought to be poor, but comparable to that of humans. So don't think they can't see you if you can see them, because they can. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, you know how to tell the difference when you're walking around the forest, you're trying to protect yourself from interacting with bears and stuff? You know, you're supposed to wear bells and, um, like, carry pepper spray? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Well, you can tell the difference between what bears might be around by looking at their poop. So, like, okay. black bear poop is, like, um, berries and stuff like that mm-hmm. in it, where grizzly bear poop has, like, bells and it smells like peppers. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I love that joke. So, brown bears, the... Really cool. I like them a lot. Yeah. We've talked about animals that hibernate before, but we've never really actually talked about what hibernation actually is. Yeah. So bear hibernation is part of a bear's annual cycle of activity. When its metabolic systems change and then activity pauses for a period of time, kind of varying with the habitat's climate. Brown bears of all subspecies typically hibernate for about six months each year. Summertime is where it's kind of normal activity for a bear. So as you said, brown bears are omnivorous. They are an apex predator, they are a foraging herbivore, and they are a scavenger all at once. The bear's summer activity begins right around when green foliage appears, which kind of varies again by region. 
and its diet includes shoots, roots, and berries, along with whatever killed off, whatever died during the winter. Right. So they will eat dead stuff. Bears that have access to spawning runs, they will feast on fish. Just salmon after salmon after salmon. They will gorge themselves. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, too. Yeah, and especially as autumn starts approaching, brown bears enter a state called hyperphagia, in which they increase their food intake to thousands and thousands of calories per day. The bear's health for the entire year depends on the availability of food, so absolutely everything is in the food box. As autumn progresses, they start to eat less, but they still drink a lot of water. And what that does is it purges the bears of wastes through urination, so they pee a whole lot. <laughs> As winter approaches, the bears' metabolism begins to slow down more and more and more. Their heart rate can drop by about half, and their breathing rate also drops very, very sharply. They normally excavate a new den every year. They can move as much as a ton of earth over the course of a week with those big paws. In Yellowstone National Park, the bears there often choose north-facing slopes because they tend to receive more snow, and so that snow helps to seal and insulate the den. Hibernating bears do not sleep the entire time. They enter into a state called torpor, where they expend almost no energy. Humans have a fairly constant metabolism. It, it slows down a little bit as we get older, but it's pretty constant. So if we were to enter into torpor, if we were to try it, our muscles would atrophy and we would die of organ failure and dehydration and it would be really nasty. But a brown bear's metabolism is at its lowest. So what they do is they live off of their stored fat so that their muscles don't atrophy. Nitrogen from metabolic urea is cycled back into the bloodstream and that maintains their muscles. So for right around six months, they don't eat, they don't drink, they don't go to the bathroom they don't do anything. They will sleep a little bit, but that's not what they're doing the entire time. Right. In the springtime, when brown bears emerge from hibernation, their metabolism doesn't really immediately go back to their summertime activity status. So this condition is called walking hibernation. So for a few weeks, bears don't really eat or drink as much as they do in the summer. They eat a lot of ants, moths, insects, dandelions. They eat really, really light. But as their metabolism becomes more active, then the brown bears will begin feeding on animals that didn't survive the winter. If the opportunity permits, they might also kill off moose calves, bison, and elk, as well as any domestic cattle and sheep that they might be able to get their hands on. And then summer approaches and the cycle continues. Hibernation is just, it's a, actually a continuing process that lasts all year long. So that's the kind of the, the misconception that people have about hibernation is that bears just don't dig a den and go to sleep because it's cold out. Right. None of the actions they take are deliberate or thought out at all. Hibernation is kind of a process that is a function of the, the bear's metabolism. Right. So if they aren't hibernating, they are busy preparing to hibernate. It's a very, it's a process that is automatic for them. Right, because they evolved over millions of years to do these behaviors because they had more bears that survived because that's the habits that they were doing, so then more of them survived. That's it. That's how it works. That's it. That's how it goes. <laughs> it's not because it's unbearably cold. <laughs> oh, I got to play the trumpet again. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh, I have a feeling that's not the first pun we'll hear today. I'm barely understanding this, really. <laughs> oh, no. Disclaimer time. The Varmint's podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. He always sounds so disappointed in us. <laughs> Brown bears are way smarter than I thought they were. Yeah, they're smarty pants. Wow. Smarty pants bears are smarty pants. They can break they into anything and they will figure it out over and over and over and over again. I'm willing to put them up like six or seven, you know? Oh, I gave them an eight. Yeah, you think they're up there with I, ravens and stuff? Yeah, I think they're right up there. There's mm. an article we'll link to in the show notes that said that some researchers believe that grizzlies possess self-awareness as there have been accounts of grizzly bears covering their tracks or concealing themselves from hunters with rocks and trees. Oh, well, then there you go. That put yeah. them up there. All right, I'll give them an extra point. I'll, I'll put them up to seven or eight as well. <laughs> Super smart. They they're almost primate level smart. So if somebody's if a bear is smarter than the average bear, that's actually kind of scary smart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, we are going to talk about some brown bears and pop culture and a couple other things, but we will do that right after these messages. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the hell of it! Fry it in a basket or broiled <laughs> in a pan, eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Do you like sci-fi, AI, and technology? Yep. Do you enjoy going on tangents and down random rabbit holes of a subject? Then join me and my friends each week on Brokebot Mountain as some artificially intelligent people attempt to walk through a maze that explores themes of existence and free thought in sci-fi TV, movies, and books. The conversations are unique and bring an unusual perspective to the genre and can literally go anywhere. And we do mean anywhere. You can find us at BlazingCaribouStudios.com or look for BrokeBot Mountain on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Well, this here's animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. And my pop culture pick for this week is Bear in the Big Blue House. Bear in the Big Blue House is an American children's television series produced by Jim Henson Television for Disney Channel's Playhouse Disney Preschool Television Block. It debuted on October 20th, 1997, and it aired its last episode on April 28th, 2006. Bear lives in the Big Blue House with his friends Ojo, Tutter, Trilo, Pip, Pop, and Shadow. He and his friends have a lot of adventures together. These normally include solving problems, sharing, cooperating with each other, 
and developing social and life skills. It's never specifically stated what species of bear bear is, but he's large and brown and he has the hump and he has all the physical characteristics of a large brown bear. Yeah, he's a big old grizzly bear. Grizzle yeah, bear. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that he is. Yeah. Each episode opens with the welcome song, which sounds like this. From the big bear. Want some fun? Here's where. Just for you. All is new in the house of blue. Lots of room at our house. Catch the moon at our house. Kitchen's here. Bathroom's there. Attic full of stuff here. Pillows full of fluff here. Just for you in the house of blue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the big blue house. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the big blue house. Door is open. Come on in. Now you're here, so let's <laughs> begin. The other characters in the show then start making their appearances, and the theme and the plot of the show comes into place. Throughout the episode, the theme is learned about, and there is a lesson learned at the end of the episode. Lots of songs, lots of jokes. Most of the segments are actually in song. It's almost like watching a musical. Some of the segments are just simply a short story relating to the episode's theme. At the end of the program, Bear sings the goodbye song with Luna the Moon, which is really nice. So there was a wide range of topics on the show, whether it was brushing your teeth, discrimination, respecting other people's feelings, pooping, staying healthy, and the importance of travel, music, and art, those were all topics that were covered on the show. You might have noticed that I said that Bear in the Big Blue House is an American television series despite the last episode airing in 2006. The show was never cancelled, and it never started production again after the fourth season. The wonderful actress who provided the voice of Luna the Moon was a lady named Lynn Thigpen. She passed away very, very suddenly in 2003 after eight episodes of season five were completed. The show took a three-year hiatus after her death, and those final eight episodes were aired in 2006. If you listen through to the very end of today's show, I will play the goodbye song from the, from the very last episode for you, because if I play it right now, I will fall apart like a, like a poorly built table from Ikea. Aww. <laughs> so, so hang out through the rest of the episode. At the very, very end, I'll play that song for you. And don't pick an Ikea. <laughs> I said a poorly built table from Ikea. <laughs> well, I have a table from Ikea and it rocks. Hey, it probably does because you probably built it right. <laughs> so according to one of the voice actors, the cast's hearts just weren't in it anymore. And so production stopped completely. Aww. There was a film version of the TV show that was canceled too. And so Bear in the Big Blue House is kind of in a weird sort of limbo where it wasn't canceled and it isn't active. It's just sort of there. It's huh. a wonderful show. You can still buy episodes of the show on DVD. Many full episodes are somehow on YouTube as well, so you can watch it there. And uh, it was a favorite in my house. My kids loved it. I think I liked it even more than my kids did. Such a good show. The bear is so cool. It's one of the best. Is it a Muppet? I've, if it's a, it's one of those ones that you have a person inside operating. Right. So, the actor that played Bear 
was a guy called Noel McNeil, and he does a lot of children's voiceover acting and stuff. So he was in the suit. And so the way they filmed it was one of his hands would be in one of the arms, and one of his hands would be working the mouth on the on the puppet. Oh, okay, okay. So one arm was always going, and the other one was kind of just there. Oh. All right, so I'm going to pick this guy to talk about. Yogi Bear is smarter than the average bear. Yogi Bear is always in the ranger's head. At a picnic table you will find him there. Stopping down more goodies than the average bear. He will sleep till noon, but before it starts, he'll have every picnic basket that's in jelly's compass. Yogi has it better than a millionaire. Kellogg's, your best <laughs> choice in cereals. The best to you each morning brings you... Well? Yogi Bear. I love it. We can't do a show about bears without talking about Yogi Bear. No, and the fact Come that on. bears are so smart, brown bears are so, so smart... I mean, smarter than the average bear. That's yogi. Yeah. That means if you're smarter, you know how to put on a tie and a hat and <laughs> <laughs> and get yourself some picnic baskets. So. Yeah. For sure. So we heard him a little bit in the beginning, but this was so much fun. I loved yogi so much as a kid and boo-boo, his buddy, his buddy. This is about the original cartoon series. There was a film made in 2010, and I haven't seen that, so I have no idea if it's any good. So Yogi Bear was a cartoon character who appeared in numerous comic books, animated television shows, and films. He made his debut in 1958 as a supporting character in the Huckleberry Hound Show. I had no idea it was that old. Wow. Yogi was the first breakout character created by Hanna-Barbera and was eventually more popular than Huckleberry Hound. In 1961, he was given his own show, The Yogi Bear Show, which was sponsored by Kellogg's, as we were just as we just heard, and it had segments of Snagglepuss and Yaki Doodle and Hokey Wolf, who we <laughs> talked about before. Yeah. So a uh, musical animated feature film, Hey There, It's Yogi Bear, was produced in 1964. He was one of several Hanna-Barbera characters that have a collar. This allows animators to keep his body static, redrawing only his head in each frame when he spoke. So that's a method that reduces the number of drawings, and Whoa. when you do a seven-minute cartoon, from around 14,000 to around 2,000 frames. So that's, what? that's a pretty good thing to do if you're trying to make a cartoon that you have to release every week. I thought it was just to make the characters more, more like anthropomorphic. Nope. Nope. It was just to save money. Oh, so. sneaky, sneaky. Watch, I mean, animation, let's be really fair here. Animation is hard and it takes a long time and it's expensive. And so yeah. back before you had computer-aided animation, these are the kinds of things that you would have to do to stay budget-friendly, you know, to, to, to keep feeding your artists and keep your company running. <laughs> yeah, that is such a clever little shortcut. Yeah, quite, quite clever. So, like that. many of Hanna-Barbera's characters, Yogi's personality and mannerisms were based on a popular celebrity of that time. Art Carney's Ed Norton character on The Honeymooners was said to be Yogi's inspiration, and his voice and mannerisms broadly mimic Carney as Norton. Yogi's name is similar to that of a contemporary baseball star, Yogi Berra, who was 
also known for his amusing quotes such as, half the lies they tell about me aren't true. Barra <laughs> sued Hanna-Barbera for defamation, but their management claimed that the similarity of the names was just a coincidence, and he withdrew his suit, but the defense was considered implausible. At the time, Yogi Bear first hit the TV screens, Yogi Berra was a household name. Yeah, that seems a little... Is that fussy? Is that overly <laughs> fussy? Or do you think he had a right to some of that Yogi Bear money? I don't know. He was he was in Major League Baseball and he was doing fine. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't have an yeah. opinion. I'm, I'm just sort of wondering if other people have an opinion. If you do, tell us about it in our Facebook discussion group. Yes, please. The plot of most of Yogi's cartoons centered on his antics in the fictional Jellystone Park, which is a variant, of course, <laughs> of the real Yellowstone National Park. Yogi was accompanied by his constant companion, Boo Boo, who was my favorite, who would often try to steal picnic baskets from campers in the park, or they both did, much to the displeasure of the park ranger, Ranger Smith. Yogi's girlfriend, Cindy Bear, sometimes comes on and usually disapproves of Yogi's antics. <laughs> <laughs> Besides often speaking in rhyme, Yogi had a number of catchphrases, including his pet name for picnic baskets, Picnic Baskets, which we always said when we were kids. <laughs> Don't forget right. the Picnic Basket. And his favorite self-promotion, I'm smarter than the average bear. Although he often overestimates his own cleverness. Another characteristic of Yogi is his deep and silly voice. He often greets the ranger with a cordial, Hello, Mr. Ranger, sir, and hey there, boo-boo, as his preferred greeting to his sidekick, boo-boo. He always <laughs> uses puns in his speech, and he has a habit of pronouncing large words with a long vocal flourish. That's <laughs> really funny. Yeah. So from the time of the character's debut until 1988, Yogi was voiced by actor Dawes Butler. He died in 1988, and after his death, Greg Burson did the role, and he did both Yogi and a lot of other characters. He died in 2008. Jeff Bergman and Billy West also performed the character through the 90s and the early 2000s. In the Yogi Bear film, the character is voiced by Dan Aykroyd. So, huh. yeah, pretty cool. And then there's an cool. animated stop-motion sketch comedy show for grown-ups, not for children, called Robot Chicken, which was created by Seth Green and Dan <laughs> Milano voiced Yogi Bear in that. There's the Yogi oh, no. epi episode. Uh, so pretty cool. Scott Innes performed the voice of Yogi along with Boo Boo at, in At Picnic, Forest, and Honey Lesson. So very cool. He's been on multiple television series, like at least it looks like there's 10 or 12 here. Tons of films, tons of video games, and there's even albums and there's a live action feature film which is the one that you're talking about that was done in 2010 it's live mm -hmm. action slash animation uh there are songs about him there are shorts about them just oh yeah amazing stuff over the years lots and lots and lots of yogi yeah everybody knows who yogi bear is yogi bear that's terrific yeah he's amazing What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you gonna eat that? Come on, eat! <laughs> well, she's she's pushing the bear on us. We're gonna eat it? No. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't I don't think I could. Yeah. Mm -mm. Nah. That's gross. Okay. <laughs> I've had bear meat, so. Oh, that's right. You said you had bear meat. 
Yeah, I have had it once before. I don't know what kind of bear it was from now that I think about it. I may have said differently on the Black Bear show, but if I did, just remember I can't. I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember you said you, you didn't, you weren't a fan. No, it was greasy and gross and ugh. No, thank okay, you. we'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> Not in the food box. Hey, Paul and Donna. Oh, it's me, Vlad Somptonovsky. Uh-oh. I guarantee you I can help you win your next trivia night. Or at the very least, make you the smartest person in the room. All I gotta do is share with you this, the animal fact of the week. Uh, we, we better satisfy him or he might, like, feed us to bears, like actual bears. He could. That guy worries me. There are a lot of bears out there in Russia, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in Yellowstone, Montana, there is a place called the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center. It's a not-for-profit wildlife park. They're open year-round, every single day, and their main purpose is to help visitors gain knowledge about grizzly bears and wolves through educational programs. All the bears at the Discovery Center are animals that were unable to survive in the wild for different reasons. Some of them were orphaned when their mothers became used to getting food from human areas. Others had been labeled as nuisance bears because they were becoming dangerously comfortable around humans. That's why you don't give bears food. Yep. They also offer an additional, very unique service. The Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center tests trash cans and coolers to see if they're bear-resistant. Because nothing is truly bear-proof. Right. Manufacturers will bring their products to the center. That product is baited with especially enticing foods and it's placed in the bear habitat. Often a bear will use what looks like CPR, which basically means that they're just jumping on this canister with their front legs in order to make the lid pop off. Uh-oh. Containers that can last at least 60 minutes before being opened are deemed bear-resistant. They receive certification from the Interagency Grizzly Bear Committee, and they can then be advertised by their manufacturers as being appropriate for bear-inhabited environments. Containers that do not pass can be modified and retested later, and so this testing protocol allows consumers, parks, and municipalities to obtain products that they know will work to keep human food and garbage inaccessible to bears and to keep them out of conflict with people. That's a good idea. It is. They do this in front of the guests, so you can go there and you can watch the bears try to retrieve the reward inside the containers and it gives you a really entertaining but very valuable lesson on recreation in bear country. Nice. Yeah. So I said that I was going to talk about the bears fishing salmon. This is yes. actually so cool. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a few places that have live stream of this. Several different parks have live stream. So if you want to watch brown bears eating salmon... Just put brown bear salmon run into Google and you'll find, and live stream, and you'll find a live stream. So here are the fishing styles. These are often learned behaviors. That goes back into bears being smarty pants bears. They teach right. their babies how to do this, how to get the salmon from the salmon runs. So many bears use the same techniques as their mother, plus others that they learn on their own. And some bears may have mastered many styles where other bears stick to the one that works for them the best. Wow. So here's their ways that they fish for salmon. Stand and wait. Bears stand up on top of the falls and they wait for the salmon to jump close enough to catch in their mouths. This fishing <laughs> technique is generally used by adult bears that can defend the fishing spot. 
but it's also used by younger bears when space is available. It's a good technique to use when salmon are jumping, but when no salmon are jumping, the spot is quickly abandoned. They do the sit and wait. They just sit underneath the falls in several places and wait for salmon to swim to them. Sure. <laughs> I like that. When they feel a fish in the water, they quickly pin it to the bottom of the stream or against their body, and then they just eat it. Then there's the dash and grab. Bears often chase fish and attempt to pin them to the river bottom with their paws. And this is commonly used early in the salmon run because this technique is energetically costly and it's quickly abandoned when the salmon run begins to thin out. Right. Snorkeling. Bears that snorkel are simply looking for fish under the water. This technique is used almost universally by bears throughout the summer, but it's especially common during salmon runs. There's another way, pirating. Pirating bears steal fish from other bears. It is common oh, no. in the early part of the salmon run, but not often observed in September or October. The threat of piracy will cause certain bears, like smaller subadults, to run with their fish away from the river and into the forest where they're less likely to have it stolen. There's diving. This is a fishing technique that most bears do not use. However... You might see a bear completely submerged seeking fish. Diving is more used more frequently with the fall in the fall with dead salmon littering the bottom of the river. Okay. And then there's begging. Bears do not share food with other bears, but some bears will still attempt to beg from others. This interaction occurs between bears that are highly tolerant of each other. Begging bears approach one another uh, usually a more dominant bear, eating the fish and often position themselves inches away from the other bear. If a begging bear gets any fish, it is usually leftover scraps and that the other bear doesn't want. So begging bears often vocalize loudly, making noise reminiscent of a, reminiscent of a bawling cub. Begging is not a common behavior. So wow. pretty interesting, huh? That is very interesting. <laughs> is it's so really cool. cool, and we will include a link to a place where you can watch bears eating salmon right now. This is a little late in the salmon run, but there still might be some out there. So if nothing else, you can go watch some videos. So. Is it weird that when I watch those, I get a little jealous and I really want sushi? <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> okay. it probably makes your brain think of raw salmon and you go, yum, sushi. Yum. Heck yeah. Well, that was our episode today. Thank you everybody so much for listening. This episode was brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, and our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent is by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Jennifer Chomo, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Stacey and Frosty. Thank you once again if you are supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash varmints. We really do appreciate it. And now it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmanspodcast at gmail.com. For details, we make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. So now we're going to hear a little kid talk about grizzle bears. Yes, Aubrey in particular, she has something to say nice. about bears. When I, when I lived in Alaska, there was a lot of of grizzly bears and when they come out of hibernation they're very dangerous <laughs> so you better watch out for them if they come near you because usually they love to go hunting and eating so be careful get it
<laughs> we got it. We got it. That's good advice. They are very dangerous. They're very dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Aubrey. That was awesome. And thanks to her mom, Kristen, for recording that for us. Yes, thank you, Kristen. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time... Be nice to animals. Boy, we barely got through that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very fun episode. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling uh, a little grisly, though. I should probably... Oh, God. <laughs> We, we have to end this. <laughs> You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Studios. Okay, so this is normally where we would put a blooper. Instead, we are going to put the goodbye song from the very last episode of Bear in the Big Blue House. Uh, get your tissues ready, because, uh, yeah, this will... This will yank at you. Look, she's here too. Hey, Luna. There. Oh, why? This isn't where I'm used to seeing you. My, my. Yeah, I know. Fancy, right? <laughs> <laughs> I won a vacation at WCHACHA today. Really? That's great, Bear. Yeah, and that wasn't even the best part of the day. Hmm? Everybody decided to show me how much I mean to them today. I was so touched. Well, well, that's even more wonderful, Bear. Although I must say it doesn't surprise me. You care so much for others, it makes sense that others would care for you. Oh, well, thank you, Luna. <laughs> One life touches many others, Bear. We should make sure that each life we touch, we touch in as positive a way as we can. That's a really good point, Luna. In fact, that may be the most important thing of all. Oh, speaking of which, I'd better get back up into the night sky. The Earth needs my light. Well, Luna, before you go, will you sing the goodbye song with us one more time? You know I'd love to, Bear. Hey, this was really fun. We hope you liked it, too. Seems like we've just begun when suddenly we're through. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. Cause now it's time to go. But hey, I say, well that's okay. Cause we'll see you very soon, I know. Very soon, I know. Goodbye, goodbye, good friends, goodbye. goodbye. And tomorrow, just by today. The moon, the bear, and the big blue house will be waiting for you to come and play. To come and play. To come and play. Bye now. By the way, I hope I've been one of the nicest parts of your life, because you are one of the nicest parts of mine. I'll see you back at the big blue house. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>